0: This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to People Talk. People Talk is about getting ahead at work, becoming a leader, establishing your personal brand, and motivating yourself and those around you. Hosted by Angela Hall, who has decades of experience working in the field of human resources, you can expect lively discussions about topics like workplace politics, dealing with difficult employees and clients, creating an inclusive workplace, and jumpstarting your career. Here's your host, Angela Hall. Hello, this is Angela Hall, and welcome to another episode of People Talk. When people talk, we talk about all things related to work, career, balancing your work life with your family life, how to rise at work, and just how to manage being an employee or a manager. Thanks for joining us. So, you know, this is a new year, 2021. People were very happy to see the end of 2020. There's a lot of changes. We're going to get a new um, president sworn in tomorrow. We have the vaccine that has been rolled out and people are being vaccinated against the um, COVID-19 or the the coronavirus, Um, a lot of changes. But also just in general, if we didn't have these Big things happening. Think about what happens in a new year. People think about doing things like, um, oh, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to have these healthy lifestyle. I'm going to do things in 2021 that I didn't do in 2020. Like to me today, for example, I'm trying to shed a few pounds. I went to the weight loss doctor, right? And I've been doing some organizing in my house. And it made me think about this. decluttering. How do we get rid of the things that we don't like, which are not, that are holding us back, or just even like the physical clutter? You know, uh, Marie Kondo, the Marie uh, method has been popular for a few years with her organizing and getting rid of things that don't spark joy. So, at the beginning of the pandemic my house was being renovated and it's still being renovated and we they had to be some some breaks in it because of the stay-at-home order and such Nowhere worry about at the end of the process but you know during this process of getting my basement finished i realized there's all these things they didn't need why do i have papers from grad school why do i have some of a lot of these things that i have a lot of them are sentimental things right but Think about your office or your workspace. A lot of us are working from home. What are the things that we have that we don't need? And the things that clutter our, our workspace, our living space, they also clutter our mind. There are good studies to show that what, you know, even though there are people like me who used to be self-professed uh, pack reps, I have the organized chaos, I know where things are. There are studies that have showed that most people work better in an environment that is um, organized, less distracted. Um, you spend less time trying to find things. So, you know, think about the notion of cleaning up your workspace. What, you know, do, what, what can you do? And a lot of times when we think about working, our, our workspace, like cleaning up our office, cleaning up our garage, just cleaning up our life, it just feels like it's too much to tackle at once. It's too much. So what's important to do is to have those those daily goals, goals, those weekly goals, those monthly goals, and like those long-term type of goals. So let's, let's use your office, but the office, your, your messy office or your messy workspace at home because you're working on your dining room table like what I did for months before my office was finished in my basement. Um, that can represent the messiness of your life, right? So what do you need to organize? Do you need to get boxes? Um, The boxes could be um, could represent what with respect to your career, things that you need to do to help get you to the level that you want to be. In my example, you want to have an organized office so you can find things, and you're not in chaos, and you're not spilling coffee on papers. So, what could that be? So, at the, this, is the beginning of the year, it's good to think about what kind of short-term goals you're going to have. So, what are you going to do this month? What kind? So, why? Why is important to kind of map out the year? It's because you don't really know where you're going. You're going unless you have a roadmap. That's not to say that you can't allow for some flexibility to have detours along the way. Like if you had talked to me 10 years ago, I never, when I was teaching at um, University of Texas San Antonio, never did I ever in my wildest dreams think that I would be talking to you from East Lansing, Michigan. I was like, wow, I am close to getting tenure here and it's nice here. And it's, it, you know, I'm never going to leave this warm weather, but I had a great opportunity to come up. And so that led me to um, being here. So you shouldn't be so rigid, but you should also think about what, how you're going to get to where you want to go. So how do you do that? Well, part of that is when you have your um, annual appraisals, you can talk about goals that you want to get. A lot of times, Annual appraisals are things that you want to just get through. Even me, I don't like my annual appraisal. It makes me feel uncomfortable. But even if you're not getting developmental feedback from your um, boss you should give yourself an annual appraisal it doesn't have to happen and it doesn't have to coincide with your actual work appraisal but it could happen any time of year whether it's your birthday whether it's going to be the first of the year or the second of the year uh, give yourself a day to recover from your new year's eve partying what are you going to do to say hey This is where I am and this is where I want to be. You need to provide yourself a roadmap. And then what you need to do, and this comes from goal setting theory, you need to have goals that are challenging. If you give yourself a goal that is like so low, so like, you know, just low hanging fruit, that won't engage you that won't motivate you. And then you'll see that you're not even meeting those goals because we need something that motivates us a bit to get us going. We call this the Yerkes-Dotson hypothesis and or the Yerkes-Dotson law. Yerkes-Dotson said, "It, it that's where we get, um, It's a real major premise of the stress literature. We need some stress to motivate us. So think about stress like climbing up a mountain. We're going up the mountain, we're having more stress, more stress, and it shows that as stress increases, so does performance. But at some point, when we're, we get to that point, it differs for every person, you reach that peak, where you're at the maximum stress and the maximum performance. And then once you exceed that, your performance starts to go down. So part of that is doing some in, some introspection and trying to think, where at what point do I think that my ability to handle things will diminish? A lot of us, and there's studies that say that particularly women Uh, fall in this category because we've been socialized actually to say no, we've always, like we've been socialized to say yes and to be people pleasers, is that we take on more tasks than we really should and that affects their performance. I even see myself doing that. So I have to remind myself from time to time, hey, Angela, that you're taking on too much and what you need to do is to say no so that you can give yourself an opportunity To um, so that you can give yourself an opportunity to do what you're doing successfully. So going back to goal setting is that you need to have difficult goals that are challenging but not um, unattainable. All unattainable goals will do is frustrate you. And you need to have short-term, long-term and medium-term goals um, because it's one thing to say, hey, I want to write the great American novel and I'll write it by next week. Well, that's, that's first of all, that's unrealistic and you haven't given yourself a, a goal, a, a roadmap on how to do that. You may say in the context of your career that I want to be an assistant vice president by the time I'm 40. Well, what do you do to put yourself on the path of doing that? Okay, the best thing to do is to engage in something that we call social learning. So social learning means that you don't have to put your hand on stove to know that it's hot. You can't observe someone else putting their hand on the stove and saying, hey, you know, they got burned. I don't want to get burned. Um, On the flip side of that is that you can see someone who's being successful and you can model their behavior. One of my mentors, Jerry Ferris, always told me, Look at someone successful, look at the successful people that you wanna be like and see what they've done. It could be people that you know or it could be people that you don't know. It could be people that you've seen at a distance, people whose careers you've seen on LinkedIn. And you may want to get to a certain type of job and assistant VP and you can see that, okay, all the people who've gotten this job, they've taken this type of career path. So I need to put myself in this position to have these other types of jobs that lead to that, and to have these other types of developmental experiences. Or you might be in an organization where you might need an MBA or a master's degree to get to that point, or whatever you need to do, like an international assignment to get to that, you can put yourself in the position to be able to get to those types of things. So- you want to have the, the short-term goals, the mid-range goals, and the long-term goals. The great thing about short-term goals is that not only do they give you a, um, something that is like a bite-sized piece that and get, and help you provide yourself a roadmap, you get that feeling of joy that I'm going to, I'm talking about Marie Kondo again for a second. What sparks joy is not necessarily having that clean house or having the, that that you can eat off the floor and every single paper organized. It, it, what could spark joy for a lot of people is to be able to say, wow, I accomplished that. I remember I had a boss when I was back in the day in a different life when I was practicing law. And he said, You know, I used to have this job before I went to law school, and I used to have to clean toilets in that job. And when I cleaned a toilet, I was like, wow, I did something. I accomplished that toilet is actually clean now. And I thought, that's kind of weird. But then I think about it. You know, think about when you get to tick something off your to-do list, even if it's not a big thing it's like, wow, I feel less cluttered. I feel like one less thing is off my, you know, off my back because, you know, as professionals, we would not have the type of jobs that we have unless we push ourselves. If we aren't some level of, you know, overachiever, if you weren't that person, you'd be in your mom's basement eating pizza that she bought you. You'd be blaming everybody for all the bad things that happened in your life. You would be doing those things and not trying to help yourself. And that's the difference between someone with an internal locus of control versus an external locus of control. Locus of control is a psychological um. Uh, aspect or dimension that says the extent to which you feel that you are the captain of your own ship versus other people, the fates, whatever, the man of society has conspired against you. And we do know that there are situations where, you know, people have been dealt with um, tough breaks because of illness, or because of systemic racism, or because of things like, um, you know, just whatever type of circumstances. I'm not, I'm not invalidating that by one stretch of the imagination. But, but, but people who are successful or the people who take ownership about their successes and for their failures, right? So when something bad happens, they say, okay, you know, can I think of a way that I could have prevented that from happening? And it's, I'm not saying, I'm not uh, engaging in victim blaming because bad things happen to good people. But let's say you do a presentation at work and it didn't go well, a person with an internal locus of control, the high internal locus control will say, hey, hmm, I'm not gonna say it didn't go well just because that person didn't like me or there was another boss who had another agenda. So so that, that person wanted to make me look bad so that their unit would look good. That might be the case. A person, but a person with a high internal of locus control is like, hey, what can I do in the future to learn from that so that I can make it so that when I'm in that situation again, it could be somewhat better. Another thing that you can do as far as, uh, you know, cleaning up the clutter is having it's paring down your goals. I realize that in myself and when I when I try to take stock and, and be introspective. So think about, okay, I want to do, I have 15 projects ongoing. I can't do 15 projects well. What are the key things that I have to do? Um, you know, let me prioritize. And I might not be able to set those priorities myself. I might need to talk to my boss, I might need to talk to a mentor. I might need to do some um, research to figure out. Okay, if I do A before B, it'll make B uh, it'll make B easier. But I might have to do D before C in order to streamline things. You can also engage something called job crafting. Job crafting is when you start asking for it and doing assignments that really are in your wheelhouse. You really, you, you're really engaged in that work. It becomes your area of expertise. And so over time, you become the go-to person for that issue. And so as a consequence, you're doing more of the things that you want to do and the things that align with your talents and less of the things that um, are, don't align with your talents and what you don't enjoy doing. So the nature of job crafting. A matter of fact, I think I want in the future to do a podcast just on that. Um, Another thing to do is when you are taking stock of your life and your assignments and such, you should also think about taking stock of the people in your life. And all of y'all know what I'm talking about. There are people in your private life, but also in your work life who will have a way of weighing you down, of clutter, of cluttering your life. It could be that person who is um, in the work stream who's always making your making you late or making you have to work for an extra, like, you know, like hurry up because um, they didn't give you enough time to get your part of the process done. So like you work on a project and they have to do uh, parts A and B and you have to do a C and D and the the there's a month allotted for the project and they took three weeks to do their work, but only gave you a week to do your work. What are things that you can do to, Um, motivate them, incentivize them um, to do their work on an orderly type of, a a timely type of matter, so that you're not in that situation? Um, Does it mean that you copy their boss on correspondence? Now, Now, that might violate some norms of the organization, so you might not want to do that, but, or it could be something like, OK, I'm going to give this person tickler emails, or I'm going to um, make a due date for them, which which um, takes in consideration that I know they're going to be late. So I always talk about in my classes about the difference between reliability and validity. And we talk about those two terms a lot in HR. Um, Validity means that when you are testing something, you're always you're gonna get what you're trying to test. So if I'm going to test how intelligent someone, that IQ test that I'm giving them is a real test of IQ versus something else. So, but there's also reliability, and reliability means that no matter how many times you do something, you're always gonna get the result. And there are some people who are reliably Invalid, reliably invalid. Think about that cousin or that brother-in-law or that person that you work with who's always going to be late on that assignment, right? Or the person in your personal life who's going that you who says, "Oh, I, can you let me like five hundred bucks and I promise to pay you back?" And you know that five hundred dollars is gone, right? You can rely on them letting you down. So, what can you do to clear your life of them? Or if you can't put in some types of safeguards to ensure that their lack of planning, their lack of motivation, their lack of whatever is not impacting you in a negative way. Also, when speaking of people who clutter you, think about the people who, and I have this myself, you work on projects with them, or you, you're always helping them out. And it seems to be a situation where you're doing the bulk of the work. It's like a one-way type of relationship, right? Or someone in your team who they're engaging in what we call, of course, shirking, loafing, um, flacking. It's all the same thing. They're not carrying their weight. What can you do such that that person is not impacting you in the way that A, is stressing you out and B, it's impacting your ability to do well. Does it mean that you have that difficult conversation with them? which, of course, and difficult conversations are a lot harder to do nowadays because we aren't meeting face-to-face. We're doing things over Zoom. Do you set up a one-on-one call for them? Do you have a Zoom meeting? Sometimes I actually think that maybe having a difficult conversation, certain, certain ones, depending on the situation, might be better to do by phone than by Zoom because Zoom is so artificial and our brains are still, we're not wired to communicate that way. I mean, we've been using phones since, I mean, since all of us have been alive, but Zoom is a new type of thing. Um, So how do you distance yourself? Do you try to, to get that person another team? Do you try to do things that are more individual work versus teamwork? Whatever you have to do to strategize, but remember that some people are toxic, poison, detrimental to your career. And just because you like that person, that person may still be somebody who's cluttering your life. And sometimes you have to cut the cord. Well. And I take consideration that, and I really realize that in organizations, you don't necessarily have full control over the people you work with, but the extent to which you can um, cut out the voluntary type of relationships with the people who are bringing you down are really good ways to declutter your life. That being said, all of this being said, it's not a situation where you should feel that, okay, I am going to, um, now it's 2021, I'm gonna be perfect. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to do all my assignments two weeks ahead of time because what you all you're going to do is set yourself up for failure. So another part of the cluttering is like, and I'm not trying to be metaphysical on this, but the cluttering your, like your soul, your mind, whatever you want to call it. But that means showing yourself some type of grace, showing being kind to yourself, giving yourself time to energize, um, to, um, to disengage in a way to replenish yourself, there's a real good theory that I cite a lot and I've written a couple of papers on and I'm writing a third paper on it right now. It, it talks about conservation of resources theory and conservation of resources that there's only so much of you to go around um, mentally, physically, emotionally and the extent to which you can be and sometimes miserly stingy with those resources um, it, it, it can be good. Not all the time, right? But sometimes you have to say no and you have to be self-protective so that you, you are able to do the things that you need to do for yourself and ultimately be able to do for others. So on that note, I think I'm going to end this um, issue or this episode of People Talk. I hope to that you all listen to some to my future podcast i'm going to have some really interesting people coming and some future ones including andrew mason who is an engineering professor and this um the college of engineering at msu and he's doing some interesting uh research on uh sensors and it has in, in like and on haptics and uh electro ex- electrical sensing and it will be really the future of how employees are working in a lot of different jobs. Um, I'm also going to have Wayne Hawkwater from Florida State University coming up and he has some really interesting thoughts on um, um, politics, um, navigating the world of work, and I'm going to have some other interesting guest speakers coming up. So please join us for um, future episodes and thank you so much for listening um, be well take care thanks for listening to another episode of people talk with Angela Hall if you enjoyed today's episode please share it with your friends and colleagues and remember to subscribe to our show thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M radio